Two mice fell into a bucket of cream. Here's two guys that fell into a radio station to talk about movies on Phoenix FM. So I'm really thrilled once again to be talking to the legend that is Mr. Mark Searby. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Spencer. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Looking forward to today's today's chat and the plethora of choices you've got for us. Yeah, well, I mean, last week was huge, wasn't it? Let's be honest, Oppenheimer. The biggest. Oh, but the biggest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, me and you had spoke off air afterwards. We were like, I think that's probably the biggest week in cinema for, for quite a while. Um, and we were talking about that. But so this week, a bit more low key. We we're going just, you know, do it. hey, it's OK. It's just a nice week. So I just want to just want to say before we start a credit to you as well, because I saw a TV interview today with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling from Barbie. Yeah. And somebody said, what can you expect from the film? And they said, we don't really know. This is the whole. And they they it was like <laughs> verbatim what you were saying on the review. And I was like, there we go. This is what we're doing. We know what we're doing is correct. Yeah, I think that's the only time my name has been mentioned in the same sentence as Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. So thank well, you for that. That's a three I never thought of. <laughs> um, so I thought we would start with. The Beanie Bubble. So this is about, it's a biopic about Ty Warner, who was a frustrated toy salesman, until his collaboration with three women grew his idea into the biggest toy craze in history. Beanie Babies. The Beanies, yep. The Beanies, exactly. Yes, exactly. So did you collect them, Spencer? I didn't. I'm probably a bit too old for it, if I'm honest. But am I right in thinking the craze was more in America than it was over here? Even though it was big over here, it was it yeah. more American. Yeah, you, you've got that right. I mean, my mum used to work in a shop that sold Beanie Babies at the height of you know how popular they were. So I, I, I kind of knew how popular they were. People would line up outside, um, and th- this was before you know. It got crazy with nerd stuff and whatever else. Yeah, the, the same with it was the same with Furbies, wasn't it? And Cabbage Patch Dolls oh, yeah. and all those type things. Yeah, yeah. So Beanie Babies was popular here in the UK, but in the US, massive, absolutely massive. It really was. I mean, we're talking about Beanie Babies, but this movie's not about Beanie Babies. It, it's kind of not really about Ty Warner either. It's about the women behind the man. And how they were at one time or another wronged by him. And then they sought out revenge in very different ways. And this film is wildly entertaining and at times quite funny. Even if you have no interest or no idea what a Beanie Baby is, I think you'll still find a lot to be interested in with this film. And a true story. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's all based on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, All of these three people existed. Ty Warner. I say existed. He's still there as well. All of these people are still about. Um, and right at the end of the film, it tells you what these people went on to as well, which I always like because this finishes at a certain point. And I'm like, I wonder what these people are up to. So it tells you at the end what they got up to, which is good. The film flips between time frames. Initially, it's set in the early 1980s when Ty Warner meets Robbie. And these two get on really well together and they start this entire craze at the time it wasn't called beanie babies or anything else like that they were just plush toys basically Uh, and i love this bit about it i thought it was very basic and the way that they built their uh company up from the ground up they were at conventions just selling it to local shops and then going from there i like that i thought it was good you know and they had a clever marketing scheme as well then the movie fast forwards to the mid 90s and shows ty warner with a new woman called sheila 
and how she's become this huge multimillionaire, but things look bleak on the horizon for Sheila and also her husband, who has obviously made her this millionaire as well. But the thing is, Ty Warner can't see the bleakness that is coming. He's a megalomaniac by this point. he's I obsessed mean, with his products, yeah. He is, absolutely. He's a workaholic. He's obsessed with the products. He's not interested in anything else. Then we've got somebody else in the picture, uh, a woman called Maya, who we see start on reception early in the, the days of, of uh, Ty Warner's company. And then she works her way up to marketing whiz and can see what is happening with the company. And then the film flips back to the early 80s. And what the film does is it keeps going from one end of Ty Warner's life to the other before meeting in the middle at the end of the movie. So it's actually a really clever use of time frames because it shows you all of the main characters in different times and their influences at those times as well. And the more the film progresses, the more time frames pull together and bring the entire story slowly into focus as well. I keep talking about Time Warner. As I said, it's mainly about the women. It does focus on these three women at different times as well. So you're constantly in their story. The film's got a great cast. I, I like Zach Galifianakis. I think he's a funny guy. As Ty Warner, he's not a funny guy. You're never sure about him from minute one. You're just kind of like, this guy's not quite on the level. Can't really put my finger on what's wrong with him. And then at the end... It all comes into picture. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it all comes into picture. It becomes clear, yeah. It does, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sarah Snook, who most might know from Succession recently, uh, she plays Sheila. She's not in it a huge deal. She's just kind of, yeah, she, she's the she's the later wife, shall we say. She's not in it a great deal. It's not a huge part. She's just kind of in it. Um, the film actually belongs to Elizabeth Banks as Robbie and Geraldine Viswanthan as Mayor, the two very different types of women, but both know how to play Ty Warner at his own game. And I love that we saw both of their stories separately and collectively because you get this wider picture as to how important and influential they both were, not just to Ty Warner, but to the Beanie Baby world as well, the amount of people right, yeah. who would come to them rather than going to Ty Warner because he was so out, he was so focused on certain things. I really like them in it. I thought they were great. Elizabeth Banks, as we know, is is great at doing comedy. She's a stunning actress. She, she's fantastic. Completely agree yeah. with you, Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. Anything she's in, I think, raises it 10% because yeah. she's so good. I agree. Um, and Geraldine Viswanthan, I've not seen before, I don't think. I, I don't think I've seen her in much. She's very good in this. She is whip smart. She's got a nice sarcastic tongue as well. I really enjoyed them. I like how they're not there at the same time, and yet they kind of are. I don't want to try, don't want to spoil it too much. Um, I like both of them here. I thought they they made the film really. So while it's not a comedy per se, there is comedic moments in it. It's more of a drama, dramedy, shall we say? Let's go with a dramedy. So the film itself. As we said a minute ago, it does slightly deal with the Beanie Baby craze, but it's actually about what went on behind the scenes of the Beanie Baby craze. And that, I thought, was far more interesting than, you know, what was going on in the outside world. Now, there is a disclaimer at the beginning that basically says, well, some of this might be made up. We're not too sure. OK, fine. We can go with that. Whatever makes entertainment. Um 
and it, it kind of works. I tell you what it's like. It's a little bit like a nerdy niche version of Air. You know the movie that came out earlier this year with Ben Affleck and. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a nerdy version of that. Um, so if you liked that movie, you'll like did, this one. Did you see? Um, going off on a tangent, did you see Tetris? I did. I thought it was yeah, great. Cause- yeah, I did. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was a brilliant film. But I wondered how much of that was true or... Yeah, I, I think... Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's true. A lot of it's yes, true from absolutely. the research I saw. But then, you know, some of it's obviously Hollywood eyes, shall we say, to build the tension. Yes, glossed up. Glossed yes. Up. The same here for Beanie Bubble to a certain degree as well. Um, so I th- actually, you make a good point there, Spencer. I think if you like Air or if you like Tetris, you're going to like this as well. It's quite fun. And it's quite captivating as well. And I, I think I was kind of surprised as to how intrigued I was as to what was going to happen next and what time frame we were in as well. So I quite enjoyed this movie. I thought it was it was rather entertaining. Brilliant. That's one for the list then. Absolutely. So is the next one going to live up to the same sort of hype? Well, we've got a new movie starring Joaquin Phoenix, who to me is one of those like actors who is either absolutely brilliant or absolutely terrible. Um, but it's normally the movie that he's in is terrible. Um, you know, I, I still think of him as as the bad guy in The Gladiator. That's the thing. And yet he's been making all of these curious movies. He's made this new movie. It's called Bo is Afraid. It's spelled B-E-A-U. And it's about uh, Wanking Phoenix plays Bo, who is this mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man who sets off on this journey to go back to where he used to live because his mother has just died. So he wants to embark on this odyssey to, to go back one last time, basically. This is written and directed by Ari Aster, who has made some thought-provoking films in the past, including Midsummer and Hereditary as well, which I think we can all agree are horror movies. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, is probably... It's not... It's more thought-provoking than provoking, which Midsummer and, and Hereditary were. It's certainly a head-scratcher as to what it's meant to be, because at first it seems to be some sort of like semi-slapstick comedy sort of movie, because Bo has these sort of slight um, pratfalls, like, you know, Laurel and Hardy used to do, or Peter Sellers used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he seems to get himself into these scrapes, and it's it, it seems to be funny, but I don't know if it's meant to be funny. So... I think it's a problem to say that this is a comedy. I think probably we could look at it as a family drama rather than a comedy. But as it's only set around Bo and him going back to his home to confront his mother's, frankly, bizarre death. I won't tell you what happened, but it's so strange. It's I would probably look at this more as a road trip movie. Because Bo travels across the US to get back home. But then mm, it never feels like a proper road trip movie. It's really difficult to put my finger on what it actually is, which I guess on one hand is really interesting. You know, it's a really interesting way to make movies. And if they come off, it's great. And that's brilliant. And that's fantastic because then we get different and we get diverse filmmaking. And I'm all for that. But when it doesn't work, you end up with something as confusing as dumbfounding as this movie was to me. It's a weird, slightly scatty film that seems to... It it seems to be like a series of vignettes all glued together because the central character 
is there but doesn't really stick it all together because they have no meaning from what went before or after so i'll give you an example is that there's a scene about an hour in where Bo accidentally gets hit by a car and is then taken in by the family to help him recover the problem is that because Bo is full of anxiety, it then causes issues for him trying to just recuperate. Now, this whole sequence lasts for about 30 minutes as a series of little emo- uh, little moments that exist in a bigger moment in the whole grand scheme of the movie. But then they don't go anywhere after the 30 minutes. So you ask yourself, Okay, that was interesting, but how is this connecting to everything else apart from the fact that he'd gone back onto his journey? It's it's a weirdly disjointed movie. The way the it sounds a bit frustrating. Is it frustrating? It it is a little bit. It was to me. Yeah, I will say that, Spencer. It was to me, and I don't think it's a question of whether you love or hate Bo. He's a strange guy. He's a really strange guy. Mm. It's Mm. difficult to really get a feeling about him either way, which I think causes problems when your film is nearly three hours i mean this film is nearly three hours long Mm. and you can't you can't understand whether it's telling that you like or loathe the main protagonist so i just couldn't get on with it and i you're right in what you say it's to me it was frustrating it was really frustrating and as i said nearly three hours of frustration it feels longer yeah, that's not good, is it? Because it's got to hold you, isn't it? It really has. That's the thing. I, I kind of, even if there was only certain bits where I was going, this is interesting. As I said, the bit where he gets hit, I thought this could be interesting. And then it sort of is, but then it isn't because it doesn't go anywhere after that. And it doesn't feel like it's part of the bigger story. So I came away, yeah, feeling like uh, I just did not get this film. I did not get it at all. And I notice as well that it's that's how it's left a lot of people. They either really like it or they really hate it. I mean, I don't really hate it. I'm not going to, you know, me and you reviewed a movie the other, a couple of weeks ago that I absolutely detested. And you told me that as well, even from my review. Um, <laughs> I don't detest this at all. I just feel frustrated. It's a bit, it's a bit blur, yeah? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kind of. I've seen it. Yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm a bit annoyed with it, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harp on about it for the next six months. There's, there's worse movies out there than this movie. Oh, that's a shame. Never mind. So, are we gonna turn things around on the last choice? Well, I've gone for something that's slightly different, actually. And we like some, different. Uh, we yeah, like different. absolutely. So, I've gone for a movie called Batu, which is spelled B-A-A-T-O, and this is. Um, it's it's a foreign language movie, and it's basically uh, it's all in the Tibetan language. Now it's about Mikma, it's spelled M I K M A, and her family who live in this tiny village deep in the Himalaya of Nepal. And every winter, they all travel to this urban market to sell local medicinal plants to the people who live around there. The thing is, this is the first year when they've travelled that there has been an actual road, an actual highway, an actual motorway to China, which aids Mikma and her family's journey, makes it quicker. But at the same time, they realise life is never going to be the same ever again. So it's a documentary that shows a way of life that I think 99% of us will have never experienced or even seen. You know, this is, it's a journey 
just to kind of it's, it's 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 a journey that's just taking you on something we've never seen before it takes Mick Moore and her family nigh on seven days seven days to get to where they're going and that's using this new method of transportation which is a bus they take a bus some of it so you can only imagine how long it took them to actually walk on foot what's interesting in this documentary is that is is how the old ways are quickly being moved out of the way in favor of the new ways. Some of the older residents are very fearful of the new road, but for the youngsters, it brings excitement and it brings hope. And they think maybe we can finally get out of this place as well. So we have this documentary that follows Mikma and her family as a sort of hanger on, a sort of over the shoulder looker in. It's not invasive and it's it's purely filmed from a distance to allow the everyday to take its course. They don't get involved with anything. And th- there's a wonderful sequence here where they don't get involved in anything, which I imagine they could have done, especially when the bus breaks down. So this bus breaks down, taking people over to the market. You can imagine they were probably saying to the documentary crew, can you give us a hand? And they would turn around and say, no, no, we need to capture it as it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which yeah, is great. Raw, yeah. Yeah. Because then what we get is we get, all of the people on the bus standing around waiting for the other bus to arrive. And then when the other bus arrives, the bus driver wants to charge them more money. So I like the fact that the documentary has picked up these little things that not just throw off Mikmah and her family's journey, but also the entire way of their life as well. So it's capturing these real moments that we wouldn't see. And the documentary is quite relaxing as well. I mean, occasionally it throws in some some really, you know, nasty moments. Like there's <laughs> there's one moment where they hang the camera outside of the bus as it's going past a cliff face. And I was like, no, I don't like this. You know, I, I'm okay with heights to a certain degree, but that was quite bad. Um, but I like the fact that they're just kind of like, we're just going to let it run out. It's just going to be them and the camera. And we're just filming it as well. And the footage is fantastic. If it's, if it's organic and it works, then that's really impressive, isn't it? Because as you say, if, if it feels very natural, then it's always going to grab people, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. And the footage is fantastic. It really is right from the top of the mountains, right into the deep of the valleys. It's it's stunning. It's scary as well. As I said, when they've got the camera out the side, whew, that, was, uh, that got my heart racing a little bit. And it just shows... It, it showed how close to the cliff face they were, but most of the people in the bus didn't care. They were like, yeah, whatever, we're, just, we're, we're on our way. So also, if anybody has a fear of heights, don't watch that bit. Close your eyes on that bit. I was all right, but it still made my heart flutter a bit. Um, you know, it's just, it's such an interesting way of watching the world change. Something that we won't see here in the Western yeah. world. Yeah, It's not the fact that this is a good or bad documentary. You can't, put this documentary into that category this is a documentary that is a slice of life that you're either going to be transfixed by which i was or you're going to find really boring i just thought this was such an interesting viewpoint you know it's the type of documentary that you would see right at the bottom of of the tv schedules which is a real shame because there's so much to be interested in here and as i said most of us wouldn't know about it either so the sort of thing that's been like on 11 30 on a sunday night it's that sort of, <laughs> yeah is, you know yeah it is, yeah it's the type of thing where they'll go people are not interested in this but you start playing it and you can't look away because you are transfixed by what's actually happening here so yeah, as I said, it's not that it's good or bad. It's just the fact that whether you're interested in it or not, and I found myself quite heavily invested in this. 
Well, we like it sounds different, and we like different. That's oh, I, sh- I should mention. Sorry, Spencer. I should mention. So, Batu, the the title of the movie, it basically means the way in Tibetan language. Okay. Which, having seen the documentary, makes perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Exactly. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, look, three very different choices, but um, yeah, really interesting ones. And if you're right, we, we went from like a huge week last week, didn't we? Talking about the big, big hitters. But, you know, it's, uh, it's these sort of films that kind of very quietly creep in, aren't they? You know, underneath. And it's kind of, you know, hopefully we'll do well. So, no, really interesting. Thank you very much. Not a problem at all, Spencer. Next week. Now, obviously, next week, you said no big hitters this week. Next week. We've kind of got a big hitter again, but I guess it, well, I guess it depends on if you like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What what is this? 1990? Have we gone back? Are they they back, the turtles? So so they're back. I mean, some people would say they've not been anywhere, Spencer. I will not say that. It's you who said it, not me. But yeah, yeah. So there is a new animated movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. So we're not talking the, the Megan Fox sort of trilogy, those sort of things. <laughs> we're not talking anything like that. No, 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 no. So this is an animated movie. However, it's written and produced by Seth Rogen. You know, the oh, guy? Wow. Yeah, who does like adult comedies. So From he's Super involved. Bad in, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So he's yeah, involved yeah. in this. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing a British movie called Polite Society, which is about an, it's, it's kind of an Indian superhero movie. And a British movie as well. So we're going to talk about Polite Society. And then also, if you're a subscriber to the podcast, we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, which is a big screen, well, it's a big screen, it's on DVD and Blu-ray, adaptation of, well, the the huge, huge, huge board And that's with, is that Chris Pine? It's Chris Pine, yeah, absolutely. So it's not, we've got to sort this out now, it's not based on the 1980s um, animated TV series. Which we all played in school. It was the, the, the thing to do in school. <laughs> it was. And it was. No, we listen, all great choices. We sure and I can't wait to discuss their frogging. That's gonna be amazing. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. You take care and you have a good week. Now remember, you're only supposed to listen to Phoenix FM if you want film reviews.